0: Welcome to the Bethel Free Baptist Church Weekly Sermons. This is the evening session of Sunday, the 16th of August, 2009, entitled, A Study of Psalm 84. And the Bible reading is Psalm 84. Here's Pastor Russ Iverson.
1: I appreciate the privilege it is to be here tonight. And I thank you for the opportunity We find ourselves tonight in Psalm chapter 84. Psalm chapter 84. We pick up reading in verse 1. How amiable are thy tabernacles, O Lord of hosts! My soul longeth, yea, even fainteth, for the courts of the Lord. My heart and my flesh crieth out for the living God. Yea, the sparrow hath found an house, and the swallow a nest for herself, where she may lay her young, even thine altars, O Lord of hosts, my King and my God. Blessed are they that dwell in thy house, and they will be still praising thee, Selah. Blessed is the man whose strength is in thee, and whose heart are the ways of them. If passing through the valley of Baker, make it a well. The rain also filleth the pools. They go from strength to strength. Every one of them in Zion appeareth before God. O Lord God of hosts, hear my prayer. Give ear, O God of Jacob, Selah. Behold, O God, our shield, and look upon the face of thine anointed. For a day in thy courts is better than a thousand I'd rather be a doorkeeper in the house of my God than to dwell in the tents of wickedness. For the Lord God is a sun and shield. The Lord will give grace and glory. No good thing will he uphold from them that walk uprightly. O Lord of hosts,
0: blessed is the man that trusteth in thee. Our Father, we stand on holy ground tonight. Father, we would tremble even to stand in your presence. Father, I pray you'd hide us behind the cross. I pray that in thee we would find our strength. I pray, Father, that you'd use these simple thoughts to thine honor and thine glory. Father, might the Spirit of God have his perfect will and way in each and every heart and each and every life. And might we know his working in our lives. And might we again proclaim it is good to be in the house of our God. We ask that you'd bless. We ask it for Christ's sake. In whose name we pray and thank The author
1: of the psalm is not given. But yet there is strong evidence in the body of the psalm uh, to give indication as to who the author is. We have an author who was not able to be in the house of God. We know for sure one thing the psalm was not written when the nation was in captivity, where the public worship in God's house is ongoing. Our psalm is not occasioned by national tragedy. It is written from the perspective of the personal feelings and the heartfelt longings of the author. The opening remarks we see from the very outset, the, the heart of the author. He says here, how amiable. Are thy tabernacles, O Lord of hosts, amiable? Here is Yadin, loved, well beloved, amiable. Tabernacles here is uh, uh, Mishkan. It's a uh, it's a plural noun. The residences, the tabernacles, the dwelling places, the habitations, the tents. Yet these tabernacles. Belong to somebody. Lord, here is Jehovah, eternally self-existent One who reveals Himself. Hosts, though, is Sebiah. It's a mass of persons organized to war. It's an army. It's soldiers. It's a host. Why? Why is God's dwelling beloved? Here is the eternally self-existent One. Here is God who commands all the armies of heaven. Here is God who possesses all power. Here is God who is absolutely sovereign. Turn with me, if you would, back to uh, Psalm chapter 24. Psalm chapter 24. In Psalm 24, picking up in verse 1, he says, The earth is the Lord's. And the fullness thereof, and the world that they and they that dwell therein. For he hath founded it upon the seas and established it upon the floods. The, the, all of creation is his because he created it. One day he's coming, and his glory will be manifest as King of kings and Lord of lords. In Psalm 24, picking up in verse 7, he says, Lift up your heads, O ye gates. And be ye lift up, ye have everlasting doors, and the king of glory shall come in. Who is this king of glory? Lord strong and mighty, the Lord mighty in battle. Lift up your heads, O ye gates. Even lift them up, ye have everlasting doors, and the king of glory shall come in. And then David tells us who is this king of glory. In verse 10 he says, the Lord of hosts who is indeed the refuge of Israel. He is the refuge of the redeemed. We see in Psalm 46, picking up there, verses 7 and 11, the Scripture says there, The Lord of hosts is with us. The God of Jacob is our refuge, Selah. The Lord of hosts is with us. The God of Jacob is our refuge, Selah. But yet this Lord of hosts, this self-existent One, this God of creation has chosen to dwell amongst men. tabernacles we said, is plural. There was the outer court and it had the the laver and the brazen altar and it had the holy place and the, the holy of holies. But here is one who... Loved God's house because it represented the very presence of Almighty God. It's where God chose to meet with His people. Verse two, He says, "My soul longeth, yea, even fainteth, for the courts of the Lord." Longeth was cut to become pale, to pine after, to desire, to long. Here is such a state of desire, such a state of intense desire, that it, it, that, uh, the, the, it, 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 it disrupts the sleep. It disrupts the, 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 the appetite. It drains the normal color from one's face. In our day and age, it's hard to comprehend such a thing. It's easier to skive off, tell God to take a hike. But here's a man who's deprived of the privilege of being in the house of God, and it broke his heart. It affected him physically. It affected him emotionally. It affected his well-being. Oh, that we'd live in a day and age... Again, when men would be so in love with God that it would disrupt their sleep, disrupt their appetites, disrupt their lives when they could not be in the house of God. Fainteth as Kala and cease to perish to be finished, to faint. His physical stamina is so diminished. His physical consciousness is affected. His desire to, to, to be in God's house is so intense, it has a telling effect upon his very heart and his body. The stress on his body is readily evident. There is result in physical stress on the heart, his, his his immaterial heart, his soul cries out to be in God's house. Crieth here is run on to croak, to, to, to shriek, to shout. Here is an anguish cry of something, someone in deep physical pain and distress. The psalmist was not desirous of being with the pagan idols. His desire was to be in communion with the living God. In our day, in this particular day, the offerings, the sacrifices, they were at the tabernacle. But yet throughout the nation, the Levites... Those of the tribe of Levi were assigned their cities of residence and and, in the lands of each of the tribes. and, And when they were not serving actually at the tabernacle, they were there in their normal place of abode and they were to be ministering and teaching God's Word on the Sabbath. Every Israelite in the land was able to be under the ministry of the Word of God Accept our author. Accept our author. The psalmist now presents a strong contrast. He says here in verse three Yea, the sparrow hath found an house, and the swallow a nest for herself, where she may lay her young even thine altars, O Lord of hosts, my king, and my God. The sparrow. Is Sippor, a little bird. We're told in the Gospel of Matthew by our Lord Himself in chapter 10 and uh, verse uh, 29, and He says here, Are not two sparrows sold for a farthing? Two of them sold for a quarter penny. And yet, even the sparrows, these common birds, feel safe and at home in God's house. The swallow, the roar, the swift, the swallow, nests and places his young in the nests in the tabernacle. She's free to feed and to, to raise them to maturity. And he goes on and he says, even thine halters. The altar of incense had a perpetual fire and was in the it was in the holy place before the veil that, that enclosed the holy of holies, and it, it would be difficult for the, the bird to get to. The brazen altar had a perpetual fire and, and constant activity with the offering of the burnt offering. But we have here a metonymy. The altars speak actually of the activity of God's house, the worship, the constant testimony of the holiness of our God. The altars represent the whole of God's house. house of Jehovah of hosts in verse 3. Who is the psalmist, he says, Elohim. The Almighty God, the God of creation, the triune God, the God who swears by Himself and keeps covenant. The psalmist has a vital and personal relationship with Almighty God. He knows Him. He knows Him personally. He knows Him intimately and is known. And he's not able to be in the safety and in the security of God's house. Yet even the most insignificant of birds are safe and at home with their Creator. They're able to enjoy a complete freedom of access, complete liberty of movement. Where our author author is not. He goes on and he says in verse 4 Blessed are they that dwell in thy house. They will be still praising thee. Dwell here as Yeshab, to sit down, to dwell, to remain, to settle. The priests and the Levites who minister in God's house, whether at the tabernacle or at the synagogue, in their tribe, amongst the tribes. Blessed, both verses four and five is Ashir. Blessed, happy. It comes from ashar, to be straight, to be level, to be honest, to be blessed, to be happy. But this is not a surface happiness. This is not something that comes about because of the hap, because of a stroke of luck. This is not something that is to chance or to circumstance. Both times here, a Septuagint translates... Blessed by Makarioi. And it does not mean happy. It means one who is possessed of the favor of God. One whose joy and satisfaction derives from God and not the world and not from circumstance. It is a settled state of satisfaction and peace that remains despite the circumstances. He goes on in verse 4, praising, halal. Yesenius defines the peal as a to sing, to praise, to celebrate. And this was accomplished by singing the psalms. Now we get down to why the psalmist is in such a state. He says in verse 5, Blessed is the man... Whose strength is in thee, and whose heart are the ways of them. Strength is O's. Strength, security, power. It derives from Azaz to, to be stout, to be strong. The strength, the security, the power of the true child of God. He is God, it comes from God. He says, in whose heart are the ways of them. Blessed is the man whose strength comes from the Lord. In whose heart are the ways of them. We read this, in whose heart is the blessed man who derives his strength from God. Ways here as mesela a thoroughfare a viaduct, a highway, a staircase. It comes from Kalal to mound up, to exalt, to raise up, to cast up. Their means of praise was the singing of God's Word. Their means of gaining the strength of God was His Word. The means of getting to their goal. The way of climbing to their goal of raising up the steps to elevate, the mounding up of of security and strength is the Word of God. The reading of it, the singing of it, the teaching of it, the preaching of it, the hiding it in the heart, it took place at God's house. David said, Psalm 119, verse 9 and 11, Wherewithal shall a young man cleanse his way? He goes on, Wherewithal shall a young man cleanse his way by taking heed thereto according to thy word? With my whole heart have I sought thee. Oh, let me not wander from thy commandments. Thy word have I hid in mine heart that I might not Sin against thee. Or Paul would exhort us in Colossians and chapter 3. In Colossians chapter 3, he says here in verse 16, Let the word of Christ dwell in you richly. In all wisdom, teaching and admonishing one another, one another in Psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing with grace in your hearts to the Lord, teaching and admonishing the Psalms, the hymns, the spiritual songs. In your psalm, or in the, in the in the in the psalms in your Bible, you have the the psalms of degrees, and these were the psalms that were sung as the pilgrims ascended the the steeps to Jerusalem, to the house of God, on the festival days of the year. And as they ascended to go up to the to the to the feasts and the and the services of God's house, they admonished one another with those precious psalms. Paul said again in Hebrews chapter 10, picking up in verse 24, people don't always like to go to Hebrews chapter 10 anymore. It's still in the book. Hebrews 10:24. let us consider one another to provoke unto love and to good works Hebrews was written, I believe, by Paul. He couldn't hang his name on it because there were still an awful lot of believers out there who remembered him as Saul. But it's written to formerly Jewish believers. who are under persecution not only of the Romans because they worshiped a king other than Caesar, the Lord Jesus Christ. But because they worshiped the Lord Jesus Christ, they were persecuted by the Jews, who by that time thought you had to worship Moses. And they were scattered. They'd been driven away from the house of God. They were in danger of going back into a dead ritual an empty ritual, a dead-end ritual. Because it had been corrupted by tradition, it no longer pointed to the Messiah. And Paul says, let us consider one another to provoke unto love and good works the reason why believers assemble we're to rub off on one another. We're to provoke one another. We're to exhort one another. We're to uplift one another. We're to put a arm around one another. And they weren't doing it. And he goes on, not forsaking the assembling of yourselves together, as the manner of some is, but exhorting one another. And so much the more, as you see the day approaching, why were they to be faithful in God's house? Because Jesus is coming. I don't know about you. This is where I want to be found when the trumpet sounds. Jimmy Strickland was an example to us for years. Sixty years, Jimmy Strickland faithfully preached the gospel in Argentina weeks ago, he was preaching in Aurora, Missouri. And in the middle of his message, the Lord called him home. The greatest honor that could ever befall a preacher called into the presence of his Lord in
0: the middle of a message. He was faithful. He was faithful. Our Lord is coming.
1: We need to be found faithful. We need to provoke to love and good works. We're not to forsake the assembling. We're to exhort one another, and so much the more, as we see the day approaching. Or we see what Solomon wrote in Proverbs chapter 27 and verse 17. Iron sharpeneth iron, so a man sharpeneth the countenance of his friend. How many brethren have you sharpened today? How many brethren have you rubbed up against today and been an encouragement, been a blessing, been a challenge, been a means of exhortation, a faithful service to our Lord? We need the fellowship one of another. We need the the communal worship of God. We need the ministry of God's Word in God's house. This psalmist did not have it. He was languishing spiritually. He was languishing emotionally. He was languishing intellectually. He was languishing physically because of it. Then notice what we see next. He says, verse 6, "...who passing through the valley of Baca make it a well." The rain also filleth the pools. Who? Those who are in God's house. Those who, who uh, love God's house and who love God's Word and who feast upon His Word and who have it filling their hearts. He says, who pass, passing through the valley of Baika, make it a well. Valley, here is Emek, a veil, a broad depression, a valley. Baekah is weeping. It comes from Bacah, to weep, to wail, to bewail, to make lamentation, to mourn. When such folk go through a time of suffering, when such folk go through a time of trial, a time of sorrow, a time of grief, something very unusual and special happens. Those who are in such intimate fellowship with God. The verb here, make, is sheath. It's a callim perfect. The ones with their hearts and their heads full of God's Word act. It is, a, it is a linear action. It keeps on. They place, they apply, they appoint, they consider, they regard, they make this weeping, this sorrow, this lamentation, this mourning. They actually take it and make it and regard it and appoint it and consider it a well. A well. Well, is my own a spring, a fountain, a well, a source of satisfaction. Through the power of God, they turn the heartache to joy, they make the world of tears a world of comfort. They take the tears and the bitterness and transform them into refreshing. Or we could put it in the vernacular. They take the lemons that life hands them and turn it into lemonade. David said in Psalm chapter 30 and verse 5, Weeping may endure for a night, but joy cometh in the morning. Elihu... I don't have a whole lot of use for Elihu in the book of Job, but in 3510, he actually honestly said something that was right. Where is God my Maker? Who gives songs in the night? Years ago, a songwriter turned it into a song. And old Jim Hamill and the Kingsman made a million dollars off of it. But in Acts chapter 16 and verse 22, the scripture records an example of God taking sorrow and suffering and applying songs in the night. Acts chapter 16, verse 22, And the multitude rose up together against them, and the magistrates ran off their clothes and commanded to beat them. And when they had laid many stripes on them, they cast them into the prison, charging the jailer to keep them safely. Having received such a charge, thrust them into the inner prison and made their feet fast on the stocks. And at midnight, Paul and Silas prayed and sang praises unto God. And the prisoners heard them. Here they are. They've had the living daylights beat out of them. They've had the flesh stripped from their backs. They've been humiliated before the crowds. And they've been over bound in a stinking dungeon. What do they do? They host a fellowship meeting. must have been Baptists. And they sang. Paul was such a good singer, God brought about an earthquake to get him to shut up. But those who were in the prison with him heard the word of God. They saw the testimony. They saw the lemons pressed into something sweet and refreshing. They saw the victory that only God can bring. And there were souls saved. But then we notice that God adds. And that, like our God, we do our part in obedience then any adds. Psalm 84, verse 6 The rain also filleth the pools. They go from strength to strength. Pools is birakah. A benediction, prosperity, blessing, pools. And to be honest with you, this is where this hymn, Showers of Blessing, comes from. We saw they go from strength to strength. Consider, if you will, in Psalm chapter 23. Psalm chapter 23. Now, Psalm 23 is part of a trilogy. Psalm 22 is a prophecy of the suffering on the cross. Psalm 24 is a prophecy of our blessed Lord's millennial reign. Psalm 23 is a hymn for the nasty now and now. The Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. Wow. Is the Lord your shepherd? If He is, He ought not be having a want. Why not want for what? He maketh me to lie down in green pastures. There's verdans. There's plenty. He leadeth me beside the still waters. He restoreth my soul. He leadeth me in the paths of righteousness for His name's sake. Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil. Thou art with me, thy rod and thy staff, they comfort me. Thou preparest a table before me in the presence of mine enemies. Thou anointest my head with with oil, my cup runneth over. Truly goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life, and I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. Our God provides right now each and every honest need. He hears before we ask. But He says, Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil. I can't ever read this passage, but remember that in the brief respite the, the New Jersey had in Vietnam, up above the bridge, they would painted those words. Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil. I can't tell you here what they put after it. But she had no fear. Valley is gay. A gorge. Our psalmist learned to trust. What did Christ in the upper room promise? Notice if you would, in John chapter 14... John chapter fourteen. <coughs> in John chapter fourteen, picking up in verse fifteen, the scripture says, "There, if you love me, keep my commandments, and I will pray the Father, and He shall give you another Comforter, that He may, he may abide with you forever. Even the Spirit of Truth, whom the world cannot receive, because it seeth Him not, neither knoweth Him, but ye know Him." For He dwelleth with you and shall be in you. Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for Thou art with me. Thy rod and Thy staff, they comfort me. And our Lord promised another comforter, anon paracleton, another of the identical same kind. What did He do? Same thing Christ did, except from walking beside, he walked within, and he met our needs. He was to guide into all truth. He was to bring to remembrance the things that we've read in this Word, the rod and the staff, the discipline and the instruction and the guidance of the Word of God. What was it Paul told us of Christ? in Colossians. In the book of Colossians. And I believe my notes tell me chapter 2. Picking up verse 9. Paul said, for in him, in Christ... Dwelleth all the fullness of the Godhead bodily, and ye are complete in Him, which is the head of all principality and power. What did David say? Yea, though I walk the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil. Why? His companion is the Lord of hosts. Of whom does he need to be afraid? God and one who is faithful outnumbers any enemy and prevails. A child of God whose heart and soul and mind are filled with the Word of God, who love the house of God, they know that God sometimes does allow trials. Sometimes does allow heartache. Sometimes does allow us to be in the furnace of purification, if you please. 2 Corinthians 1, picking up in verse 3, Paul records there, Blessed be God, even the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of mercies, and the God of all comfort. He comforteth us in all our tribulation, that we may be able to comfort them which are in any trouble by the comfort wherewith we ourselves are comforted of God. For as the sufferings of Christ abound in us, so our consolation also abound, aboundeth by Christ. And whether we be afflicted, it is for your consolation and salvation. You know, the Lord knows His own better than they know themselves. and Sometimes He allows us to be a chosen vessel to walk through that valley of the shadow. That His glory, that His provision, that His grace might shine through, through us to those who need to know. We said at the outset that our text would identify the author. Notice the prayer in our text in verse 8 and 9, Psalm 84. O Lord God of hosts, hear my prayer. Give ear, O God of Jacob, Selah. Behold, O God, our shield, and look upon the face of Thine anointed. He prays to Elohim of hosts, anointed as Mashiach, the anointed as king, the anointed as priest, the anointed as Messiah. I believe the anointed here is King David who spent at least 12 years in hiding from the jealous rage of King Saul. He couldn't pop his head out without being reported. He couldn't go to hear the preaching of the word of God he couldn't go to fellowship with God's people. He couldn't go to God's house. On the one occasion he did. He went to Shiloh and Doeg the Edomite was there and reported him. And the priests were moaned down by Doeg. David was deprived. and He was on the run for 12 years for doing right we find David's conclusion to the matter in verse 10. For a day in thy courts is better than a thousand. I had rather be a doorkeeper in the house of my God than to dwell in the tents of wickedness. Doorkeeper as kafosh. Here is one who stood at the threshold as guard. But Kahash also means a bowl, a bowl that was used to catch the blood of the sacrifices as they were slain upon the altar. Here is one who was anointed to be king with a heart to be the lowest menial servant in God's house just for the privilege to be in God's house. He's so valued being in God's house. He has a servant's heart. Because Jehovah Elohim is His rising sun in the east, He is the one who purifies by His presence. He also is our magim, our shield, but here it's the buckler. Here it's that small, round, mobile shield that's on the arm that can be moved to ward off the blows that come at the point of need, the point of impact. What did David say in Psalm 23.1? The Lord is my shepherd. I shall not Want, our buckler, our shield is there at the point of need. But what does he say then? He says, he will give grace and glory. Grace here is Cain. Graciousness, kindness, favor. Interesting word study there because it comes from the verb Hanan. To bow in kindness to an inferior, to favor. The Lord blesses. He honors those who are his who walk in and, and deport their lives in integrity and in submission to him and in truth and in righteousness. The Lord bows to the needs of his faithful ones. But then he goes on and he says in verse 12, O Jehovah of hosts, blessed is the man that trusteth in thee. Interestingly, again, at that point the Septuagint says, Makarios, the state of being that's marked by the favor of God. Who are they? Those who trust him. Those who trust him are marked by his favor. Do you know him tonight? Do you love him tonight? Is he your sufficiency tonight? Is he there pouring out his favor upon you? Is he your buckler at the point of your need? Is he your sufficiency? Where is your heart in relationship to being faithful to the house of God and the God of the house? Father, take your word. Use it,
0: we pray. Bless according to your will. Might the Spirit of God have his will and way in each and every heart. Each and every life. As you stand to
1: sing the invitation, number 423, soldiers of Christ arise. Is God in His rightful place on the throne of your heart and life tonight?
0: If not, why not? If not, why not have an opportunity to kneel before Him Put it right.